he is immortal. Born in the highlands of Scotland 400 years ago, he is not alone. There are others like him, some good, some evil. For centuries, he has battled the forces of darkness with holy ground, his only refuge. He cannot die unless you take his head and with it his power. In the end, there can be only one. He is Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. And welcome back to Let's Watch Highlander. This is Let's Watch Highlander, Season 2, Episode 4, titled The Darkness. And to lead you through another episode, I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. And with me, as always, is Audie. And Audie, how you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. all right. Good. Uh, so this this episode has a different feel, like, right off the bat. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely highly influenced by Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, but it has a very, it has that horror movie type feel to the beginning, like right off the bat, the way the credits are done, which I liked. Yeah. I like that different feeling. I wouldn't want that every episode, but it fit what they, like they, they set you up right away with that. You know, they, same font, but they changed the coloring and gave it that night vision look. And it was a lot of um, discordant images getting flashed here and there with just black uh black backgrounds i kind of like the way that started um so that was kind of cool to see uh something different i don't know if i liked it or not (laughs) well i mean it's just the purest in me like i'm like we need to change the titles i mean yeah but i i've never had a problem with shows doing kind of themed episodes as long as it doesn't go too far or happen too often right right um, now I very distinctly remember watching this episode, um, when it, I don't know if it was when it originally aired or I, it was probably in syndication, but I remember catching this exact episode, uh, because of that aesthetic, like that stuck in my head with the night vision, with the, the whole kind of pseudo horror feel to it. Um, mm-hmm. and I was also, I, I remember watching silence of the lambs when I was younger. So you know, that, that idea stuck with me too, with the whole guy wearing night vision and stalking people in the dark, which is creepy right. and, and unsettling for sure. Yeah. Um, we're also still kind of doing the renegade watcher thing, but this mm-hmm. is connected to Horton. Isn't, we don't really know. Is he off yeah. on his own? Cause we don't get a whole lot uh, about this guy. Um, so, what it starts else? to make you wonder about uh, whatever kind of psychological evaluations they're doing on these guys, <laughs> if at they, all. Yeah, I don't think they're doing much of anything. But you know, we had a we had a couple of special guests this week. Um, this episode, I, and, and I want to save it uh, for a little bit, but but this episode has some huge changes to the series uh, that we're mm-hmm. definitely going to dive into. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think we just go straight to our Watcher Chronicle. October 18th, 1993. Chronicle of Palinwolf. Personal. I managed to lure another immortal into my trap using his woman as bait. They're so predictable. Kidnap their love and they all come running to the big, strong protector. But they don't expect to find a mortal man waiting for them. Nor do they know how to fight in the dark. Once I turn out the lights, it's all over. I can toil with them before eventually taking their head. 
These creatures are all the same. They must all be dealt with. We've been watching Duncan McLeod for a while now, and it's time to make our move. I'll have Billy run interference while I go in and grab the woman, Tessa. After that, McLeod will do anything I tell him to, just to keep her alive. October 19th. Billy is dead. He was tailing McLeod and something went wrong. It's time to end this. I'll make the Highlander suffer for what he did to Billy. He was a good soldier and a good kid. These monsters have to be destroyed. So we had we had kind of two special guests in this one. Um, our first special guest we'll go with is uh, Andrew Jackson plays the evil watcher Palin Wolf. And mm-hmm. I only know that the character's name is Palin Wolf because I read the IMDb. Like they don't mention right. it. It's never spoken in the entire episode. Not at all. Um, he is very two-dimensional cookie cutter. I'm a bad guy because I'm a bad guy. Um, right. Not really. Like I didn't remember him at all. I knew I remembered the episode enough to know that it was an evil watcher, but that was it. I knew nothing else about the guy. Right. Uh, and I mean, Andrew Jackson, big, tall dude. He's six foot mm-hmm. two. He was an imposing figure. Right. I wanted more. I wanted more out of him. I even think while he's hamming it up and he's really overacting the part, like it could have been really cool. Um, mm-hmm. It could have been a very interesting kind of bad guy because again, we're still early in the watchers and we're getting this whole kind of nefarious rogue watcher thing. Are they all like, cause right now, I mean, if you're coming into this cold, there's more bad watchers so far than there have been good. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and these these guys who are part of a secret society that observe and never interfere are suddenly really bad at surveillance too, as we've talked about. Yeah. They they are they've decided we're no longer going to be subtle. Yeah. Which all we're gonna do out. is interfere. We're just gonna interfere and make it blatantly known that we're watching you. Like mm-hmm. the scene in the bar where it's the two of them and they're just staring a hole oh, yeah. through Duncan. What are you guys doing? Uh, <laughs> like, I, I love it because it's just, it's so obvious. Um, but no, I, I mean, I think that Palin Wolf and Andrew Jackson playing him could have been really interesting if they had had the foresight and or the budget to do something like introduce him with Horton, even at the beginning of the season, even if he's not in uh, the end of season one. But as just a, you know, a quick cameo in an episode. Um, right. And then have it sort of, you know, plant that seed and let that germinate and mm-hmm. bring him in. So there's some reason for him to have this because otherwise it just looks like he's just another guy that thinks immortals are evil and wants to kill them all. So, right. You know, um, and it's unfortunate. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, just a not great, well thought out bad guy. That's all there is to it. They could have done more. They didn't. Yeah. And we'll talk about the fight, but uh, I think he could have been a much more imposing physical presence if they Mm -hmm. hadn't gone the route that they did. But we'll talk about that later. Um, Our other special guest, and she's actually listed in the credits as special guest star, is Tracy Lords as Greta. Um, Mm -hmm. She was about 26 in this. So she was still fairly young. Um, And I actually liked her. In, in that part for as tropey a part as it was. Cause it's very much the tropey, like, Oh, I'm the fake psychic. And suddenly I have a real psychic episode and well, right. my mom has the gift, but I've never had it until now. Like that mm-hmm. whole thing. 
we I've seen it in other shows and movies all the time, but she plays it well because she, she flips really from when we when she's introduced, she is totally running the scam on Richie and he's fallen for it because he's Richie. And as we've mm-hmm. established, Richie ain't that smart. Yeah, um, pretty girl, Richie going down. Yep, exactly. And uh, you know, she's she's playing him, but then she has the psychic episode with Tessa. Uh, and, and after that, out. she's, yeah, she's very freaked out, uh, and plays the scared, I don't know what's going on, uh, really well. Yeah. It's, so. um, it's one of those things where in any other show, the random psychic character, especially in a pretty even killed drama, drama kind of show, it's almost for laughs that it's mm-hmm. real. You know, it's like, yeah, we'll kind of go this way, and it's kind of a joke, wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the audience. Yeah. In this show, it's like, well, heck, we got people that are immortal and can cut, <laughs> you know, cut other people's heads off to get their power. Why the heck isn't someone who's psychic a thing? Like, yeah, well, and I liked so you had um, there was a scene with Richie and Duncan where Richie's like, I can't believe Greta called all this. Do you do you honestly believe in the psychic the psychic stuff? And Duncan's like. Why not? You know? Right. And Richie's like, I guess that makes sense. A couple of years ago, I wouldn't have believed an immortal could exist. So. Right. And I like how quickly, like Duncan doesn't dismiss it at all either. When they're walking away from her in the bar and Tessa's, Tessa's legitimately freaking out and rightfully so. Mm -hmm. This woman who she's never met before is telling her, you need to get the hell out of town. Something bad's going to happen to you. And Duncan's like, I don't know. Maybe she's running a scam. Maybe she really is psychic. We don't know, but let's let's go home, right. type of thing. And I like that because it makes sense. Duncan's been around long enough, and with the things that go on in the show, there's no reason not to believe that. Right. But I also. We'll, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say we'll get to it a little bit in the flashback too. Hmm. Um. Yeah. And and I also liked how uh, Greta went from. You know, the confident one to kind of freaked out and trying anything she can to not be involved to, look, I won't be able to sleep until I know that everything is okay. Let right. me try to help. and mm-hmm. But still, like, she wants to help, but she doesn't exactly feel like she can. So I, I just, right. I liked, she did a great job with that role. Yeah, um, she did. She really did. And it's an interesting role in the middle of, show to yeah. pull that kind of thing and it's like it, it's just adding that like yes there is more mysticism than just the immortals and you're like okay and i can be on board with that because we know immortals exist yep exactly and it does dovetail into the the lone flashback we had for this episode which was uh duncan with a um i i I don't want to use the term, but uh, it's the closest I have is a, is a band of gypsies. Um, uh, and Duncan is involved with the, the kind of the guy that runs the place, his sister. Mm -hmm. She does, she's got the gift apparently because she reads his poem. And, and so what it, what it was is it really, it sets to, okay, Duncan has dealt with something like this before. And having this mm-hmm. happen to him in the bar jogged his memory to that, which brought up the whole you will bury many women, but you'll marry none thing, right? Yeah. And that whole prophecy. So he's like, screw it, and throws caution to the wind and just tells Tessa, let's get married. Mm-hmm. Right now, let's do it. 
Yeah. And he's just, tra- you know, he's trying to tempt fate and he's trying to say, look, I can do what I want. Like, to, you know, um, it, it that's not going to stop me type of thing. Right. So it was a nice use of, we're going to throw a, a, a flashback in here so that we have a flashback and it's mm-hmm. short, but at least it fit narratively. And you could tell, right. like, you could see the budget of the show, right? Because everything's shot at night and like all you see is the couple of little caravans and like everybody standing around mm-hmm. a fire. But it worked. Yeah. And I'm going to say, I'm okay saying Gypsy in this case. Are they stereotypically dressed? Yes. But they don't make fun of them as a people in this episode. Like no, they're not they there as a joke. They're there as like, that's what these people are. And one of them has the gift. And the way she said it, I almost felt like a lot of them had the gift. And she was just like, go ahead, check him, check him. Yeah. You know, and it's that's just true. like, nobody questioned it. And there was no like, again, from their point of view and the way they were portrayed, they did it well. They weren't corny. Yeah. So that's a good like, point. That was and... like, they, they were not a joke at all. No, no, it was definitely played very straight, and I appreciated that. And you could tell, I mean, there was the the whole idea of, like, this guy immediately, oh, you've dishonored my sister, we're going to fight. And Duncan's like, I'm your friend, I don't want to fight you. And so they make him leave. Mm-hmm. So, like, right. And, and, you know, that happens a lot with Duncan. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was, I thought overall it was a good flashback. And it, like I say, it, it played off of, it let there be a link between the flashback and the current story and Greta without Greta having to be a immortal, which was nice. Right. Yeah. So yeah, Tracy Lords, uh, really, really good. And Andrew mm-hmm. Jackson as Palin Wolf was there. Uh, yeah. We can, we can say that. <laughs> Pretty much. Richie, Duncan just asked me to marry him. He what? He proposed to me. For real? Yeah. Just now? Uh-huh. Why? Well, no, no. So, I guess uh, this is the part where we talk about the elephant in the room, which is Tessa in this episode. Um, yeah. To start, though, I want to bring up, this is only the second time she's been used as a damsel in distress in the series since it started. Mm-hmm. The first episode, she gets grabbed by Slan Quince. Right. And in one scene. Um, but it's still, that's like the only other time she was ever the damsel in distress. Even... The episode Mountain Men, where she got grabbed by those guys, she was a damsel in distress, but kind of not. Um, they never fully made... I mean, she was, she was always a strong character. She's always been portrayed right. strong. Uh, but this is one of the mm-hmm. rare times where she just gets straight up kidnapped by somebody. Um, which mm-hmm. was a pretty cool scene, the way that they pulled that off. Right. Use, use the overly obvious watcher to get Duncan to chase him. Mm-hmm. And then... Wolf just walks in, stun guns Richie in the neck, which, ow. (laughs) Right. And then grabs Tessa and is gone. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, to her her credit, Tessa doesn't break. She actually gets out at one point. Um, Right. That was another. I was going to say, like, the whole damsel in distress thing, like, she's only in distress some of the time. Like, she figures out a way to get out of the house and I'm just like, whoa. Yeah. And what's up with the a-hole that just drives right past her like crazy lady? Yeah, Seriously. that was that was another one of those very horror movie trope moments, right? Where the girl, mm-hmm. the the girl or the per 
the person that has been kidnapped gets out, but nobody believes them because they're stark raving mad and yelling and all that kind of right. stuff. Um, so yeah, Tessa is captured. She, she gets out, she's taken back. Duncan shows up and rescues her. But then mm-hmm. we have, we have the moment. Uh, and it's really the, the turning point of this series. You know, we talked right. about the watchers being introduced as a big moment, a watershed moment, but this moment here. So the whole episode was built up as, cause we saw right at the beginning with the, the, the sort of cold open that showed Palin Wolf abducting a woman and using her as bait mm-hmm. to get an immortal there to trap him and kill him. So we know what this guy's MO is. He does the same mm-hmm. thing with Tessa. He gets Duncan there. Duncan's too good for him. He he does have a, an interesting way of getting past the night vision thing we'll talk about. Right. But Duncan rescues Tessa and he sends Tessa home. And then we get a random he act of violence. He sends Richie and Tessa out to the car. Yep. And somebody walks up to him while they're getting in the car to mug them and shoots them both. Mm-hmm. And Tessa doesn't make it. And they, they kill off the character of Tessa Noel. And yep. I tell you, it was still emotional to watch because she she is, she is such the emotional anchor for the show and for Duncan. It's, she's kind of yeah. what helps Duncan keep his humanity. And we have talked about it countless times, how strong this relationship is written and how realistic mm-hmm. it feels. And to have her now gone is just totally changing things. Um, right. It's... Uh, it's kind of crazy to think about. She, she's just, and and to have it happen like that to to give you that emotional uplifting of like, okay, cool, she's been saved, and then mm-hmm. boom, gut punch, and she's gone just like that. You don't even you don't even get like an emotional scene between Tessa and Duncan as she's dying in his arms. He finds her. Right. She's already gone. Right. It's, yeah. It's rough. <laughs> is what it is. Um, it's one of those things like part of you wants to go like as a person watching this piece of entertainment, you're like, how could you wrong that character so much? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, within the context of this show, it's like mortality is precious and can be snatched at any moment. And they, they even mentioned that earlier in the episode, Duncan talks about he talks about how. You know, he's had to deal with people dying his whole mm-hmm. life. He's been around for 400 years. He's lost so many friends and so many loved ones. And how what Tessa makes him feel like. He, he's giving Richie reasons why he wants to marry Tessa. Right. And it's, she feels, uh, she feels that sadness that he carries with him for all these people that he's lost. Mm-hmm. And that is what makes their connection so strong because she she can understand him better than most because of like just her empathic kind of intuitiveness that she's got. And he doesn't mm-hmm. have that now. That's been taken away from him. And right. it's been taken away from him for no reason whatsoever. Right? He did yeah. everything right and he still lost her. Mm-hmm. And that is a tough one. Um, now, yeah. behind the scenes, the reason that Tessa was written out of the show, I don't know if you know this or not, was Alexandra Vandernoot was pregnant. Oh. 
and they needed a Did they, not know that. they there was no way to write that into the the show right because the no. only thing they could have done the only possible way there's two one is that she has an affair that doesn't work mm-hmm. and the other no, one is that she uh becomes pregnant from uh a less than consensual uh arrangement and they're not going to do that right. either like that's just no. not going to happen so they basically had to write her out of the show and it's unfortunate because i really liked her um yeah so on the flip side uh because richie is also involved in that shooting and richie wakes up yep so we lose a character and we fundamentally change another one in the span Mm -hmm. of two minutes Um, right now there was a deleted scene i guess that showed more of richie waking up and duncan saying uh, something to the effect of like you were always an immortal, but Tessa wasn't type of thing. Like he knew. Um, I'm kind of glad mm-hmm. they cut that out because it would have made the whole like everything in their friendship up until that point feel weird. If Duncan yeah. sort of because they they hinted at it in the pilot episode with Connor being like the boy is going to have to be watched, but it was you could dismiss that as just like you know taking take the kid under your wing. You know, yeah, he's a, he's a, a good kid at heart type of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a huge change for Richie now because mm-hmm. he now, I mean, and they have that a really a fairly emotional moment where Duncan walks out. Now, that was the other thing was this episode they were finally getting ready to reopen the store, right? They even right. mentioned that we're going to open the store tomorrow, and that night Tessa gets killed, and Duncan walks out with the keys and hands them to Richie and he's like, sell it. Yeah. And he's getting rid of the store and I think the car too. I think that might be the last appearance of the T-Bird. I'm not sure. Um, But he, you can sense the sadness in Duncan. He feels bad for Richie almost because mm-hmm. they were just earlier the day before having a conversation about how rough it can be to be immortal and how hard it is to have to lose all these people. And now Duncan knows that Richie is going to have to endure that. And, you know, Richie doesn't know any better. Yeah. Right. A very, uh, sadly emotional welcome to the club, pal. Yeah. Oof. I mean, just, just rough. And, you know, mm-hmm. overall, Richie's really good in this episode. There's no cringy moments. Yeah. The the worst he gets is when he shows up at the house, when he finds out the address, and he shows up and Duncan's there, because Duncan already mm-hmm. knew where he was going. Uh, and he tells Richie, look, I need you outside. I don't need to worry about two people in there, right? Right? And Richie's like, right. yes, no, and then goes inside anyway. Like, that's that's mm-hmm. in keeping, that's his character. Richie, that's what Richie's going to yeah. do. Yeah. So it didn't annoy me at all, um, but like he plays it really well the whole episode. He's he's there for mm-hmm. Duncan from the moment Tess right. is taken. He's there for him. You you don't get the petulant Richie in this. Oh yeah, uh, which I appreciated. Um, at this point in the series, too. I mean, Tessa is basically Richie's big sister. So yeah, oh he yeah, he cares about her. You know, almost as much as Duncan. Just hey more platonic but it's mm-hmm. still like they both care for they're gonna do whatever they can so you know richie's gonna do that yeah yep uh so yeah i mean it's it's a lot we lose we lose dunk or we lose tessa 
and we lose the innocence of Richie. Mm-hmm. He's no longer just the, the kid. Um, right. And you know Duncan's going to have to train him. Right. So we'll see. We'll see what happens um, moving forward. But, yeah, that's a, it's just such a big change in one episode. Right. Huge change. Like, y- you don't think about it now, but like we've said before, we've seen this series before and know where it's going. Mm-hmm. This is a huge moment. Like, this is the moment of the series where it turns and just becomes a whole different thing. Yeah, because now it's no longer the story of Duncan and Tessa and Richie and how their little kind of pseudo family unit can survive during the gathering. It's now Duncan. And mm-hmm. Richie's around, but we don't know uh, how that's going to change right. their relationship. And Tessa's gone. And right. the focus is now solely on Duncan. And he doesn't have that that emotional anchor uh, to keep him centered that he had. So, big changes. And, and big kudos to Adrian Paul acting the hell out of all of this. Oh, yeah. This episode. Oh, yeah. I think we've heard enough, thanks. Hey, come on, guys. We're all having fun here. I mean, this is just a joke, right? Look, I saw what I saw. I think this is for real. I'm sure it is. Let's go. But we do have uh, a final fight, but it it's a final fight kind of in name only because of the way they structured it. Um, mm-hmm. With the whole sort of night vision, Silence of the Lambs, climax type thing that they were doing, it's really just Adrian Paul in night sight uh, swinging a sword around and occasional right. shots of some guy wearing night vision goggles. It's, mm-hmm. it's not all that interesting visually. Um, but it, I would have liked more. And I think with more budget, they could have done something a little bit better. Sure. Um, cause it does feel a little cheap, right? Everything's done yeah. in a black room. Um, and it makes sense. I, I get why they did it that way. Narratively, it works. Okay. Um, it's just not the way that I would have done it. And it just, it felt, after the decent fight we got from the previous episode with um, with Michael Moore slash uh, Quentin Barnes, this would have been kind of nice to see an actual mortal sword fighting with Duncan, right? Somebody right. Because we've seen, we've seen mortals attack him, but it's always been um, in different ways and mm-hmm. not just straight up one-on-one fight. Even if this guy is going to use, um, you know, night vision and darkness as his ally. Um, right. Now, I did think Duncan found an interesting way to get around that because he remembered he had the uh, matches and he used the matches to blind the guy. Even if it was right. kind of a silly way that he did it where he threw him and sliced him with a yeah. sword to strike him in the dark. Uh, sure. Mm-hmm. Whatever, buddy. But, Duncan you know. Fun, but. <laughs> uh, but I think... Even with that, even with the the lackluster fight and kind of the lackluster villain, it's still a very powerful episode and a very important episode. So they kind of can get a pass on on letting, I think, letting that part slip just because the rest of it is so good and so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's overall, it's a very good episode. Um, Yeah. I made a, a note about one of the shots when Duncan's talking to, uh, what was Tracy Lord's character? Greta. Greta. When he was talking to Greta at the um, billiards place. Mm-hmm. 
like they do a shot of shooting at them with the window behind them and it's basically a silhouette shot and i was like dang Mm -hmm. that's some good production right there like they're starting to step up their game there yeah overall like cinematography wise production value wise they're they're getting better because they're figuring Mm -hmm. out what they can do and what they can't right and it's feeling more this was about the time that a lot of television was getting more cinematic um especially right. like more so in the drama stuff but you were getting more kind of a cinematic look to mm-hmm. television shows that you just didn't have the ability to do before right um so yeah i i did like that i think you know i think that this is a an overall a really strong episode it's it, it gives you that emotional roller coaster because you've got the tension of of will duncan save Tessa from this kidnapping or not and it's a it's a series so you assume yeah Tessa's going to come out of this okay and sure enough she does and you've got that relief and then boom they turn right around and kick you right in the junk Mm -hmm. and take her away from you and take her away from Duncan Mm -hmm. and I will say leading up to that even I was like on edge like okay Duncan killed the main bad guy but we already know he had one dude with him does Mm -hmm. he have others is there something else that is going to come along and then it's some random dude that comes along and changes everything. Yeah. And that's the thing is making it that random guy. Right. So it, it fulfills the prophecy, the, the sort of curse of Duncan McLeod. Um, it fulfills what Greta saw earlier and right. the fact that Tessa was in danger. Um, it does all of that and it does it in a, in a pretty interesting way. I, I can imagine, I mean, Imagine that you are watching this series for the first time and you get to this point and that yeah. gut punch that that has to be to lose that character. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I can't say it's quite the same. Well, I don't know. It is, it is very similar to, uh, you know, um, losing like a character in mash that's been on the show for a couple of seasons. Who was the mm-hmm. uh, Holden or not Holden McLean, uh, McLean Stevenson's character, the, the Colonel. Where, right. where he dies. Like, that was rough because he was a, mm-hmm. a really important character for the first couple of seasons of that show, and then he's gone. And Tessa is that in this. She's a very important character. You know, she's second build. She's she's Dun- mm-hmm. the love of Duncan's life and all that changes. Right. So, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and part of it also being for, you know, the behind-the-scenes reasons, right? So they may right. not have even had that as an idea when they started season two and they may have had to call an audible. We don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this they is an audible. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I mean they they've introduced the watchers and then three episodes later we lose Tessa. Like this is where mm. the show took off for me. Yeah. This was it really, did. really the moment because now we've got, mm an immortal in Richie and he's no longer just the goofy sidekick. Right. And we've got, who knows? I mean, who, you know, the, the watchers, are they good? Are they bad? What are these guys? Right. So we've got that question looming over all of that. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's big time. So next week, uh, is going to be the episode. Oh, go ahead. One more thing I have to bring up. Oh no, absolutely. The song at the end. Yes, and I did write a note about that. So this was 
This was done in 1993. So using Kansas's mm-hmm. dust in the wind wasn't the tropey uh, mess that it is now. It's, right. it's almost at the level of Amazing Grace. It's not that bad. Uh, I don't think it's even close to Amazing Grace, but I was surprised they used that instead of Who Wants to Live Forever, but it fits this... It almost fits well enough emotionally. It It's still just... I think on this side of it, after this many years of hearing that and all kinds of crazy sh- different shows and movies and crap, mm-hmm. it feels a little cheesy to me, but that's me, not 1993 B, who's you know, probably would have just heard that song for the first time. Yeah. Cause I can remember one of, I went through and rewatched the whole series in the early two thousands when they were running on spike TV. And <laughs> right. I remember it getting to this point and it didn't bother me then because I still, I hadn't seen that, that particular song get used for one of those in memoriam type moments. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 20 something years later or 18 years later, whatever it is. Yeah, it does feel a little bit cheesy, although they shot it really well. It was it was almost shot like a music video, too, because they had that tracking kind of dolly shot going around Duncan while he's just. Mm -hmm. And again, credit to Adrian Paul for putting out a lot of emotion in a scene where he's just staring at a wall of art. Right. That's all he's doing. But because we've been watching this guy now for almost 30 episodes. And we are invested in that relationship. You feel that emotion. You feel that loss mm-hmm. that he's got. And they yeah. make it well known that he he deals with loss in a in a unique way. So, but yeah, you're right. It is a little cheesy of a song. Um, and I I had forgotten that that's what they used. And then it started yeah. playing. I was like, oh yeah, Dust in the Wind. This might have been one of the first shows to you to really use that in that way too. I don't know. I'd be Maybe. curious to know, to find that out, because it's definitely been used a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's a go-to, because it's a, it's a beautiful sure. song. I mean, it's a good, yeah. it's objectively a good song. Uh, I think the one thing that really took me out of it is just the fact that the sound level on that was a little loud compared to the rest of everything in the episode. Like, I noticed the sound just a little bit. It didn't feel like it was blended in with their other sound as well. It, felt a little loud compared to everything else, and then it faded in. I was like, yeah, you could have faded in a little bit more or something. <laughs> I don't know. You know, and it's funny because I, I didn't even think about it till just now, but we've got this little retrospective moment with the song while he's remembering Tessa and they're, they're playing clips from the first season and everything. And the previous episode, we had an introspective moment where he's mourning the death of his longtime friend Michael and doing the, uh, the workout in the right. dojo. So two weeks in a row that the episode ends with Duncan solemnly remembering somebody that he's known mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I didn't even think about that, but yeah. I mean, if, if you, you're anytime a major character dies, you're going to have a little, uh, remembrance clip show moment anyway. Right. That's right. That's pretty standard TV stuff. Um, so yeah. Yep. Uh, Kansas dust in the wind. I forgot to mention that in the in the yeah. music section. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> sure. Uh, so next week we've got the episode Eye for an Eye, um, which does have. I know the special guest in that one is Sheena Easton, 
and Richie has to come to grips with his newfound immortality, and Duncan has to move on from another woman that he loved dying. So mm-hmm. we've got a lot. This is going to be uh, interesting next few episodes as we sort of comb through how I'm, I'm vaguely remembering some of these, but I'm really curious now that we're kind of combing through them to really see how they dealt with it right. from a narrative standpoint. Because that's mm-hmm. the thing I want to know what holds up, right? Yeah, especially on this side of it, like having watched it all, you know, a while ago and now picking it up mm-hmm. and us going through it like this, really coming through it and seeing how it how it plays out. Yep, absolutely. So uh, we record um, live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Travis. if you ever want to be like Danny Ora and Nisbet um, and hang out in the chat with us. And watch us record this show live. The show comes out on Thursdays as a podcast. You can get it anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, Anchor.fm slash Let's Watch Highlander, all spelled out. Uh, or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And and get on there and leave us a review if you can. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. It makes the show more discoverable and gets more people uh, to know about us. And yeah. if you have any questions, concerns, comments, you want to tell us we're dumb, uh, you want to say that uh, Dust in the Wind is the greatest song ever recorded, we're both on Twitter and we love to get feedback from you guys. I am TV's Travis, TVS Travis on Twitter. And Audi, you are? Oddly normal one with the one spelled out. Yep. So absolutely give us some feedback. Let us know. You can also, I've got a phone hotline set up you can call. It's 231-486-5401. You can call and leave a voicemail there. Let us know it's for Highlander, and uh, we might even play it on the show. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So yeah, next week is Eye for an Eye, uh, episode five of season two. And until then, remember that there can be only one less cast member on the show. Oh, Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>